Welcome to the Organizing Ideas podcast. I'm Karen. And I'm Allison. We are two new librarians and your hosts for this podcast. Together, we're taking a closer look at the relationships between organizing information and community organizing. We are recording today on the unceded and ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Today, we're speaking with Alicia Elliott about Toronto Public Library's recent room booking to Megan Murphy. Hi folks, this is Allison. I'm adding a little more context here before we jump into our interview with Alicia to tell you a little bit more about the situation at Toronto Public Library for anyone listening who hasn't been following this. So Toronto Public Library rented a room to Megan Murphy for the event, quote, gender identity, what does it mean for society, the law, and women, end quote, on October 29th, 2019. Earlier this year, Vancouver Public Library allowed Murphy to book their space for an event, very similar topic. Vancouver Pride Society, in their decision to deny VPL's participation this year in the Vancouver Pride Parade, described the event as follows, quote, During this event, five speakers asserted that trans women are not women and should not be treated as women. VPS asserts that the conduct reflected both at this event and in past public comments by these speakers are discriminatory in a way that violates the British Columbia Human Rights Code, end quote. Murphy has repeatedly called trans women men and opposed Bill C-16, which added gender identity and expression as protected grounds under the Canadian Human Rights Act. Megan Jones tweeted a photo of the poster for Murphy's event at TPL on October 11th and uh, was really the person who alerted many others to this situation. The response from the trans community and allies in Toronto and elsewhere has been swift and it has been very strong. This is a situation that hits close to home for us in a number of ways. We both live in Vancouver. We were involved in responding to VPL's similar room booking to Murphy earlier this year. And we both work at public libraries in the Lower Mainlands and are interested in helping prevent similar bookings in future. I'm also non-binary and I'm really concerned about the ways transphobia manifests in libraries more generally. Alicia Elliott is a Tuscarora writer from Six Nations of the Grand River. She won a National Magazine Award in 2017 and was chosen by Tanya Talaga to receive the RBC Taylor Emerging Writer Award in 2018. Her debut book of essays, A Mind Spread Out on the Ground, was published in March 2019. We're grateful that Alicia uh, was in town and able to speak with us about this today. We will say that we did end up having to record the interview over the phone, so the sound quality has that crackly element. You're going to feel like you were right there with us on speakerphone. Um, hope you enjoy the, uh, the conversation and stay tuned for later in the episode when we also have uh, some uh, statements and responses from trans people about how Toronto Public Library's room booking has affected them. Hello? Hi, Alicia, it's Allison. Yeah, yeah it's Alicia. Hi, Alicia. how are you? Alicia, sorry, this was going to be one of our first questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for chatting with us, making the time. Yeah, We're no really, problem. Really glad to get the chance to speak with you. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me on. This is awesome. Yes, yeah, exciting. 
so Alicia, you were one of the three initial signatories in, on a petition called Stop Hate Speech from Being Spread at the Toronto Public Library. Um, it has over 5,000 signatures. Uh, what prompted you to start this petition? Well, I have a lot of um, trans friends and family members that um, I was really concerned about. Um, and, uh, well, Catherine um, and Carrie and I all have that. So, um, you know, we had seen what had happened in the Vancouver Public Library. And um, I personally know, anyways, that I was um, disappointed in the ways that um, cis members of the literary community and other communities, um, you know, didn't, um, I feel like, mobilize as much behind um, trans people who are saying that this is very damaging to us. You know, there were people who did stuff and it was awesome, but I just was like, we, I feel like we need to like really from the get go show our solidarity and support and also kind of try to shoulder that burden for um, the trans people that we know and love because, you know, they shouldn't have to do this work all of the time. Mm -hmm. They have to do that in their everyday lives. So, um, you know, we kind of were like, what can we do to put pressure on the library? And we all knew that, you know, me and Carrie Ann had just done an event at the library and Carrie and uh, Catherine was um, about to have her book launch there. So, you know, we know that um, there's a lot of events that happen in, in collaboration with the literary community. And so we thought at least if we make a statement about this, maybe other people will join in so that we can both um, try to put pressure on the library to follow their own policies and also, um, you know, show the trans community that they're not alone in this. And, you know, people are willing to stand beside them. Um, and and fight alongside them. So that was kind of the the you know birth of that, I guess. Yeah, thank you. It's like it's really um, it's I feel emotional <laughs> listening to you talk about that because it's really lovely to have people act in solidarity in that way. Um, and I'm curious if uh, you know, like there are people often assume and there often are strong relationships between literary communities and libraries. And I'm curious if you could talk about like why you chose that community specifically as the, you know, the group that you wanted to take action with and um, like how you see that relationship. Well, I know that um, for myself, I, I love the Toronto Public Library um, in general. Like, I used to live in Toronto, and, you know, that was, like, a space where I always, you know, I feel like every writer kind of, when you're in a space where there's a lot of books, there's just kind of, like, this warm feeling, but also, you know, it's it's a place where I did not have a printer and, and stuff like that. I didn't have, when I didn't have a computer and whatnot, and I needed to do things, that was where I would go, and, you know, um, libraries have made themselves available to not just writers, but also, you know, members of the of different marginalized communities, a lot of like street involved people and, and whatnot. And I think that a lot of the time libraries have kind of been on the, like the forefront of kind of pushing for, um, you know, uh, supporting those different communities. And, you know, even I remember, um, my, like my public library in Brantford, um, had, is, was one of the first places to have, um, you know, uh, uh, sharps disposals in the bathrooms. And, you know, that was like, I thought super important and you know so all of these you know librarians I I just feel so strongly about and you know the way that they support community is amazing and you know literary events and stuff like that 
it helped. It's like a, a mutual kind of relationship between um, writers and and the literary community and the library. Like that's you know those are our people. <laughs> you know they they champion our books and you know and make space for us and create community. And so you know, um, I thought that you know week or you know i i thought in communication with with catherine and carrie ann we were like we love this library and we wanted this to come from a place of love too because we love the library and we love our our trans friends and family and so you know um to not just to to make sure that we say like we you know we're doing this because we think that you know the person who is making these decisions is making the wrong decision and doing something that could very well um you know, hurt the the Toronto Public Library's um, relationship building with trans community and also with writers, because, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, oh, well, um, you know, you're not trans, so, you know, you can like, what does this matter to you? But, I mean, it, 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 it affects all of us. Trans people are humans. If we allow, you know, trans people's rights to be squashed, then, you know, that means that everyone's rights are up for debate. And I just don't see any way that we can't have it, we, that we should have anything other than a baseline. Human rights are for everyone. Um, and the fact that we're allowing, or not, not all of us, I guess, but the fact that the library, the head library, the city librarian is right now saying, we need to allow this discussion to take place in the library. Um, it, to me, that just, it just boggles my mind. <laughs> so many librarians do so much outreach work and have done so much to create, you know, safe community spaces. Uh, to have this city librarian uh, trying to undermine that work is, to me, just, it just makes me furious. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely very heartbreaking and... I find that when you love something that much, I think constructive criticism, I think challenging the library to do better, like it comes from a place of love. I don't think people would really, you know, put forth this much effort if they didn't love what the library stands for. Um, So I'm wondering if you can talk a bit more about the kind of response that you've received from Toronto Public Library. Uh, Yeah, so it's kind of twofold because, you know, I on one hand, the city librarian is the one who is in charge of making this decision at the end of the day. Um, and she, her name is uh, Vickery Bowles. She's made it very clear that, you know, she um, doesn't want to reconsider her decision. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But on the other hand, you have the the Toronto Librarians Union, who came forward and said, we do not agree with this decision at all, which, um, you know, I had suspected um, when, you know, this came out, I, when I when I talk about like the Toronto Public Library and stuff like that, it's not about the librarians who have to follow this decision that someone above them has made. Um, I don't believe that most of the librarians believe that decision and or stand behind that decision. And, you know, the, the union has proved as much in in the statement that they've released. So, you know, it it disappoints me that one person is, you know, um, is in a position where she can undermine this work and undermine the people who have to stand and behind her decision and kind of like say, well, she represents the Toronto public library. uh, So this is, I guess the library decision, even though none of us agree with it, it just, um, you know, it's, it's almost kind of, um, 
like a, a dictatorship kind of situation. Um, and, you know, if you'll excuse the, the comparison, but, you know, it's definitely not something that where all of the librarians were asked whether they agree with this or not. Um, so in any case, um, to kind of like speak a little bit more um, directly to Vickery Bowles, um response to this situation, um, I find it very curious that, you know, um, a couple years ago, um, I'm not sure if um, you're aware, but uh, there was it was there was a bit of a controversy because the Toronto Public Library had rented out a room for um, a memorial service for a lawyer who um, represented uh, represented neo Nazis in a lot of um, in a lot of their cases and, and, and criminal proceedings and, and things like that. And um, it was rented out by neo Nazis for the purpose of having a memorial for this person. And um, at the time, there was a lot of public outcry about it, and Victory Bowles responded by um, uh, changing the the rental policy so that it wasn't just that, um, so that you could not refuse to book to uh, rent a room to someone based on who they were or things they had done. You had to do it based on what the purpose of the event was. And so she changed that policy in 2018 to say, it's about the purpose of the event. So the event has to be, you know, um, discriminating against or promoting discrimination or contempt or hate against a protected group, which includes um, those who have, you know, uh, um, different gender expressions and gender identities. So that was the policy she changed so that neo-Nazis could rent out the library um, for, you know, th their purposes. And, you know, now it's interesting because when she released her response to this, now she's saying that a court, like in, in direct contravention of the, the changes she made, um, now it's no longer about the, the, the event itself now she's saying that because Megan Murphy has not had any criminal convictions of hate speech, so it's about her past now, it's not about the purpose of the event, that, you know, she should be allowed to say whatever she wants, and not only say whatever she wants, but say whatever she wants in the library. See, and that's the thing that frustrates me the most about all of this. So many people are saying it's about free, spree, free speech, free speech. No one is is arguing that. Yes, obviously, you know these arguments are dangerous. These arguments, I would argue, are hate speech. Um, it is very difficult to get that charged under the criminal code um, and like human rights code and everything like that. But you know, um, at the end of the day, what we're asking is for the library to follow their own policies, and you know, we're trying to point out the fact that. Just because you can say whatever you want does not mean that you have you deserve a platform wherever you want. Those are not the same things. And the fact that you know um, a lot of people who are trying to take rights away from others are trying to conflate those things is very intellectually disingenuous. And I hate that people are buying into it. You know, being able to say whatever you want and not get arrested for it is not the same as deserving a platform wherever you want and forcing people to listen to it regardless of whether you're what you're saying is dehumanizing people and asking for their human rights to be stripped away yeah. so it's a um, very frustrating situation yeah well and when this happened at vpl i know that there were a lot of people pointing to toronto's policy with those recent updates that you mentioned and saying well you know like vpl if you're going to be revisiting your policy which 
they've done, you could look to that as an example. Um, and, you know, I remember some librarian friends saying, oh, you know, it's it's policy isn't the problem. It's the people who are in charge. It's, um, you know, like I don't, you know, people would say to me, I don't think that if Vancouver had Toronto's policy, they'd say no to this event. And so it's very interesting to see it play out in real time of like, oh, OK, now we actually know <laughs> that with their policy, Toronto will also not say no to this event. And, you know, as you say, it's like that, you know, um, decision by the city librarian about what she values and stands for and, you know, what she's going to have her institution do. Um, I'm curious, like, on the kind of flip side of, of that, like, us in Vancouver thinking we could learn from Toronto, obviously <laughs> not. Um, in your letter, like, you and carrie and Catherine say, um, we stand with our friends in Vancouver who strongly opposed VPL's hosting of Murphy at an event in January 2019. Um and I'm curious, like, as you talked about this a bit in the introduction, but if there's anything more you, you might want to say about um, what you have learned from the response to Van the event at Vancouver Public Library or the responses to um, similar events that happened at UBC and SFU um, and, like, what this um, solidarity or learning looks like um, on, you know, on this broader scale now that this is happening so often, unfortunately. <laughs> um, well... I know that um, I I remember um, seeing uh, there's an amazing writer um, uh, who is trans named um, Jay Simpson, and they were doing a lot of um, mobilizing around this when this happened, trying to talk to writers and, and things like that, and um, in communication with um, another trans writer named uh, Kai Ching Tom, and trying to, where they were trying to figure out like how best to uh, react to this situation, and so. I remember, like, uh, reading, you know, um, just this morning I read um, Jay Simpson's response to um, everything that was happening at the Toronto Public Library, and they gave a lot of insight into kind of what the fallout of that looked like in um, in Vancouver. And um, I, I know that the uh, Vancouver Pride disinvited um, the Vancouver Public Library from participating in events, um, and I, I think that that's, I mean, that that to me makes so much sense if the if the Vancouver Public Library was not going to be you know <laughs> standing in solidarity with trans folks then why would they allow them to you know then use the the Vancouver Pride Parade as like a you know as some sort of shield against the transphobia that they allowed to happen within their facilities so um that to me um you know, was was an important thing, and we're seeing now. Um, Toronto Pride just released a statement um, talking mm -hmm. about how they will disinvite. Uh, is was the implication they will disinvite um, the Toronto Public Library from Pride events if they allow this to move forward as well. So you know, um, being able to take from that, but also, um, you know, Jay just talked about how the seeing the arguments and stuff like that that were made in that the event that the Megan Murphy event that happened at the Vancouver Public Library um how that affected them personally and you know um seeing you know people that I care about um having to like knowing that trans folks in general every in their everyday lives have to deal with countless microaggressions and also outright aggressions just moving through the world um so 
you know, one place, the one place where they felt that, you know, a lot of trans folks feel like they feel safe is at the library to know that that is not true, that, you know, this sense of safety is, you know, illusory and that people who are higher up that are not even the ones who necessarily are actually on the ground supporting trans folks and other marginalized communities, the people who are high up can make these decisions that affect these relationships so deeply and and hurt trans communities so viscerally you know i feel like that to me is you know shameful Mm -hmm. um i don't understand why you know um why the people who are higher up are allowed to kind of make these decisions that then the people who are the librarians who are on the ground who have worked so hard to create safe spaces for you know lgbt and two-spirit folks um now they have to deal with the fallout of that of a decision they did not make and you know um have to basically apologize for that um for something they haven't done you know it's um it's awful (laughs) so i think just seeing the fallout of that and knowing that you know that's something that will happen in toronto um is is if if this event moves forward, then you know that's that's really disheartening. But you know, I I will say that I'm I'm so impressed with the way that um, people have been mobilizing around this and um, the amount of writers who have um, stepped forward and said, you know, I'm I'm relocating my event from the Toronto Public Library. If this moves forward, I'm going to be canceling or you know just standing in solidarity. Um, I think that that's necessary because you know people don't necessarily think that trans folks have support and there's such a small percentage of the population that you know that people can do whatever they want to them and so you know it's important for people who are cis to stand up and stand beside our trans friends and family and you know and even people if you don't know any trans folks but you just have you know basic decency, (laughs) you know, to to stand beside and and say that this is not acceptable, you know, no one should have to see their human rights be debated in a public institution, and, you know, I I just don't think that that's something that we need to allow, Um, and, you know, even the, you know, when you talk, when you look at the policies, even the Toronto Public Library has a policy which says that that shouldn't be allowed, and yet, you know, they're saying, well, uh, Vickery Bowles is saying, this is not, I, I looked at the, or this, her, her views are not discriminatory, or when she's directly asked, is this not a discriminatory um, belief, just to turn around and say, well, I'm not going to talk about that. You know, mm-hmm. like, I think it's important that we do ask ourselves what the views are of the people who are making these decisions, because they, uh, you know, these are the people who stand for these institutions. I think it's important to know, does Vickery Bowles support the trans community or does she not? Does she believe in these, um, you know, the, the things that Megan Murphy is saying, or does she not? I think those things are very important for the public to know so that they, um, so that we can determine how safe it is to, you know, be in places where someone who doesn't think that, you know, members of, of our community are human or deserve to be, you know, safe in public spaces, um, so we can make a determination on whether we want to support those institutions. Yeah. 
And and I think like even if she won't say it straight out, the more the more she does say, the more obvious it becomes. I think Gwen Benaway was yes. talking about this on Twitter as well, but it's really what I felt when I read her longer interview with CBC as it happens. Um, it's yes. very obvious who she's listening to and what rhetoric she's picking up, and it is not trans people. <laughs> she doesn't have to say. It's very obvious, I think, more and more. Oh, I think so, too. I think that what's happening also kind of points towards how libraries right now don't, like, in in upholding free speech, I think, as, you know, the thing to, to value in these decisions so far, kind of tells me that these libraries aren't really prioritizing people because Alicia you also mentioned in the beginning just talking about how people have found really safe spaces have found comfort in libraries it seems like these events have just kind of forgotten that that you know libraries are for people and people should come first and you know that should also include human rights um so yeah your your letter urges uh the library to cancel this event um, are there any other actions you'd like to see from a Toronto Public Library to address the harm they've caused and to prevent this type of situation in the future? Well, I think that it, um, to me, it would be really important for Toronto Public Library. And I don't mean, when I say that, I don't just mean Vickery Bowls. I mean the Toronto Public Library Board of Directors, the people who are making these decisions and who are, you know, um, who are responsible for the public image of the Toronto Public Library to make a statement on what they determine um, to be um, acceptable within their institutions and what that means. Because clearly, as we can see, the policy that they've even put in place can be twisted and turned depending on who chooses to interpret it and how they choose to interpret it. So I feel like the board itself should make it very clear how this looks, like what it looks like to, you know, um, to promote or, or to promote discrimination or to discriminate against a group of people, what that entails and what their, um, and what, how they would determine, would determine that, you know, to have a standardized version instead of just allowing it to be interpreted however, or not interpreted Mm -hmm. (laughs) to, you know, promote these sorts of things. So I think that that would be good. But also, I think that, you know, more than anything, we need to um, turn to the trans community that has been impacted by this and ask what they need to see to feel like they are being listened to and that their concerns are being taken seriously and that they are welcome and safe inside of libraries so you know i don't know what that would look like but i know i know that you know trans people know so you know they're they're the ones who should uh, you know really be being consulted on what they need for this to be you know for this to be fixed yeah so um one one last question i think before we wrap up which is you've spoken really supportively of library workers at toronto and i know that their you know their union um did write that really awesome letter um our audience is mostly librarians and archivists uh and i can say from my own experience working with them many are lovely but they're um 
is a variation within the profession also, Um, let's say, diplomatically. Um, Do you have anything else that you would like to say to this community about this event, what we need to be learning and doing differently? Any last message you'd like to leave people with? Uh, Yeah, I just, I I want them, like like you said, to remember that this is about people at the end of the day a lot of the people who are speaking out against these um against you know um the petition that we were launching or you know um who are saying that trans people and and allies are trying to silence these conversations really should be thinking about what it means to host those conversations what the effects are of you know that on these communities that they are supposed to be creating as community space for and what that means for them in their work. So, you know, I just think that these are, these are people at the end of the day and those who are, you know, um, who are speaking out about, um, you know, about in support of Megan Murphy, um, I, I don't really know how, how often a lot of those people are in libraries. To be very honest, libraries are mostly used by people who are marginalized and, you know, people who are lower income and, and, and things like that who, you know, they need safe places to be. And, you know, I think that we need to remember that, what our, what responsibility you have to those communities and whether you are willing to uphold that based uh, based on everyone's humanity mm-hmm. you know i don't i think that um there was someone who i was talking to on twitter where i was like you know i i i tried to disengage finally you know we were going back and forth and they said and i said to them you know i hope that your human rights don't have to be debated and it was a cis woman and she was like my human rights are debated all the time and you know to me that, that like for me to for me to hear that and not say how do you as someone who is who knows the pain of having your human rights debated who knows the anger of hearing someone tell you you know you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that or you you know you you are your biology whatever how do how do you take that and say this is something that we should accept instead of what we want to move forward you know of all of the things that we have to debate why do we have to debate people's humanity you know, I feel like that is that should be something that's very clear across the board. You do not have to agree with someone to acknowledge that they're human. And, you know, I think that if we have we should at the very least have that as a baseline for conversations when we talk about legislation that is going that um, that that allows people who have different gender identities and gender expressions to be protected under the Human Rights Act, under the criminal code. These are things that, you know, are baseline things. And to speak bluntly, you know, um, these protections have been in place in provinces for much longer than they've been in place federally. And I have, and I, I have not seen any evidence that that has impacted cis women's rights, but I have seen evidence that people who um, align with turfs and you know alt-right and, and white supremacists are attempting to take away women's rights to choose or you know other other uh, legal rights that you know um impact us so um i just th- i just would like to really think ask people to think very critically about the types of people who are taking up this rhetoric against trans people and what else they are um willing to 
who else they are willing to dehumanize and what else they are willing to push forward to take away rights from people and to, you know, um, and whether that's something that they want to align themselves with, you know, think very critically about that. Think about, you know, the fact that white supremacists and neo-Nazis are working hand in hand with transphobic people to limit the rights of trans people and ask why they're doing that. What does that open the door for? If we are willing to listen to arguments on whether trans people are people, that opens the door for asking whether any of us who are marginalized are, you know, um, are human and whether our rights should be stripped. We should not allow that. This is like the very basic, very basic human decency. So please just be decent. It's not that hard, I swear. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Thank for, you. Yeah, for, we really appreciate this. Um, for folks who want to learn more about your work or get in touch, um, how can they reach you? Um, I'm on Twitter at words and guitar um i do not actually play guitar that is um very misleading it's just a song <laughs> title so um i just I, I don't want to disappoint anyone where they're like oh can you play guitar no i cannot i'm like i listen to guitar but i cannot play it so um anyway <laughs> um, good to know i've all I, I have wondered that when i looked at your twitter handle <laughs> <laughs> It happens a lot. I had someone invite me to a literary festival and they were like, oh, can you play guitar? We have some music portion. I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having yeah, me. Thank you. Lovely to speak you. to you. The second half of this episode is focused on sharing different perspectives on this situation. We put out a request for trans folks to share recordings or written comments with us about their thoughts and feelings about the situation at Toronto Public Library, and we have three messages from trans people to share with you. There were also a number of folks who expressed interest in contributing but weren't able to do so in the end. So we want to make sure that people have the opportunity to hear from trans people directly about this event and the way that it's affecting them. And so we want to just point you to a few people on Twitter who you can check out who have been uh, commenting extensively on this and uh, providing a lot of really insightful commentary on the situation and the ways that it affects people. So if you wanted to go and have a look, a uh, few of the people that we'd recommend following or uh, looking up are Kai Cheng Tom, who is at Razor Femme on Twitter, Gwen Benaway, who's at Gwen Benaway, Megan Jones, who's at Meg Jones A, and Jay Simpson, who is at J, which is spelled J-A-Y-E, Simpson 94. There are many others who've been commenting, uh, and we encourage you to go have a look at Twitter and, uh, and find these people's commentary. We also expanded our request for statements to cis allies, especially library workers, and we received two statements from these folks, which we've included as well. If you're looking for more commentary by library workers on these events, uh, please check out uh, work by Baharak Yousefi, who's at Baharak Y, Alison Trumbull, who is at A Trumbull D, Jane Schmidt, who is at Jane Schmidt, Sam Popovich, who is at Red Librarian, Shirley Liu, who is at SH Liu, which is spelled L E W, Monique Woroniak, who is at M Woroniak, and Alana, who is at A-L-L-A-N, and then A-A-A-A-A-A-A, that's seven A's, I think. 
and Desmond Wong, who is at Desmond C. Wong. There are many other trans folks and library workers who've been commenting on these things uh, going on. These are just a few of the people who have been really helpful for us in uh, thinking about the situation and we hope can help you get started in uh, learning more if you're interested in doing so when you finish listening to this episode. So we're going to jump right in now to sharing with you the statements that we received. Um, They're pretty emotional, but we think that they're powerful and important to hear. So here we go. Hi, my name is Nico Stratus. I'm a trans person living in Toronto, originally from the Yukon. Um, I'm one of the people that has been talking about this TPL, Megan Murphy thing, pretty frequently on Twitter. Um, I spoke last night at uh, the Toronto Public Library board meeting, and uh, I'm leaving a message to talk about what it means to have the TPL giving space to someone like Megan Murphy. Um, This is a difficult thing. Uh, The argument, as as you see online, is is around the concept of free speech, and while free speech does exist in this country, it saddens me to see that an organization like the Toronto Public Library, um, a pillar of you know, public life in our society and, and what is seen as an institute of, of higher learning. Uh, and it's also has long designated itself a safe space for all people. Give not only the space to someone like Megan Murphy, but also the legitimacy to someone like her. Um, allowing her space in the library to speak does a lot to legitimize her message. Her message being very harmful to trans people and non-binary people, it works to dehumanize us, to delegitimize ourselves and our lives. She, you know, wants to limit access that we have to public spaces like washrooms and change rooms. And um, it's, you know, it's not so much her message. I mean, her message is hateful and awful, but it's presented through an true, you know, she purports to be a journalist and presents herself as such. And she presents her message in a way that is very palpable and, and, you know, easy to follow, um, like a cult. <laughs> and uh, her followers eat, her, eat it up, and, you know, they take it further. She is is smart enough to keep herself at a distance from anything that might cause her, you know, any sort of legal, financial, or, you know, or work ramifications. Um, but it's the way that she presents her message and the people that eat it up and what they do with it going forward that is equally as harmful uh, to incite this sort of dehumanizing aggression towards trans people heightens the risk of violence towards us in our communities. Um, and it's, you know, again, when it's presented by something like the TPL, it, it, it legitimizes her in a way that is scary and people like my parents, for example, who look to libraries as institutes that, you know, present the greatest minds and speakers and thinkers of our generation. And when somebody like Megan Murphy speaks at it, they think that her views are worth listening to and it gives credence to what she has to say. And the fact that the TPL has made it pretty apparent that they are less interested in listening to trans people in this debate and more interested in listening to what people like Megan Murphy and other turfs have to say, it really tells us which side that they're on. Um, They have made public acknowledgements that they believe a lot of TERFs to be um, a marginalized group or the group that is being silenced by us uh, trans rights activists. And 
Um, I think there's going to be a lot of negative ramifications from this. It is already, it is a very stressful time um, as I record this. It's the day after we spoke at the TPL board meeting and I'm still a bit shaken up. That's why my words are a bit scattered and I often find myself unable to complete sentences or think properly because I'm still processing what I went through last night, which was um, sort of displaying my trauma for the TPL board to not really pay attention to. This is a difficult time in our lives, and I urge people listening to listen and engage with trans people, protect trans people, support trans people, listen to us, and um, provide us space to speak our minds and to highlight our voices. And um, that's it. That's that's all I can think of to say. Thank you so much. This next message is from someone who wishes to remain anonymous. I'm a closeted non-binary trans person who has only very recently started to take some small steps to feel more comfortable being myself in the world. The actions of the library have resulted in all my defense mechanisms and repression techniques to be activated in full force once again. It feels like my city doesn't even want me to exist. I don't feel strong enough to face this. It seems like every organization's nice-sounding policies are just fake virtue signaling. I am lucky to have a therapist to speak to this about, but I fear for other people like me who don't have access to help. The next statement that I'm going to read is something that was emailed to us anonymously, and it's a little bit longer, but uh, it's pretty powerful, so here we go. I have seen how the public, both trans and cis, has reacted to the decision to allow transphobic speaker and author Megan Murphy to host a talk at the Toronto Public Library. I have seen librarians react as well, mostly cis. I am a librarian who is transgender. As a librarian, part of my professional ethics is to uphold the right to intellectual freedom and free speech. I take that responsibility very seriously. However, when we start caring about ideals, normally removed out of context, more than actual people, we do ourselves and our patrons a disservice. There are some issues where there are not two sides. Libraries are not neutral and they never have been. By allowing this person to speak and spread violent transphobic rhetoric, the library is giving this side legitimacy. The Toronto Public Library has gone further than some libraries in that their policy for room use and hosted events gives them the freedom to reject or cancel events and requests which promote oppressive viewpoints. So by allowing this program, they are either breaking their own policy or they are taking the position that they do not find the subject oppressive. Much has been said already about the message this sends to library, pa library patrons, especially transgender patrons. Toronto Pride has already sent a response to TPL. What about transgender employees? If my employer allowed this speaker, I would lose any sense of safety I have at work, and I would consider it and whoever made the decision, and whoever agreed with that decision hostile. Transgender people already have higher job precarity than average. I recognize my privileged position in having a job for an institution with protections for transgender people. I do not know if there are transgender employees at the Toronto Public Library, but I can imagine how unsafe and scared they must feel, and I imagine transgender people will hesitate to work there in the future. The Toronto Public Library is showing that its claims of allyship to the queer community are hollow and conditional. There is nothing to gain from allowing Megan Murphy to speak. 
no positive outcome. There is no marketplace of ideas, quote unquote, or discussion that will happen. The only outcome is that the Toronto Public Library shows the trans community its true colors by signing off on transphobia. Thank you for sharing that with us. It's a very powerful statement. Um, And uh, we really appreciate that you took the time to put that together and send it in. This statement is from Liana Jancy, who is a librarian at Simon Fraser University. And Liana writes, Our profession needs to critically engage in why the absolutist notion of intellectual freedom causes harm, facilitates hate, and is antithetical to values intellectual freedom exists to uphold, including the creation of space and safety for the voices and people who have been and continue to be marginalized. Moreover, we need to push back on this current application of intellectual freedom, which simply maintains the status quo and allows those in power to retain power. I am grateful for the many intelligent, thoughtful, and passionate people who are leading this work. I hope more from our profession can join. Thanks so much, Liana, for sending that in. Hey, Organizing Ideas. Uh, This is John Fink. I'm an academic librarian in Toronto, or near Toronto, Ontario, not in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, I was present at the TPL board meeting uh, where uh, a lot of very, very, very uh, brave and uh, caring people uh, spoke up objecting to the uh, room rental uh, by Megan Murphy. And it was one of the most, uh, both most uplifting and sort of horrifying things that I've seen in in a fairly long time. Uh, Uplifting because people who, really, really cared about the library and wanted to make a difference where they're speaking and horrifying because in the end it didn't really matter. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, that's all. I'm glad to doing a show about this because it's a really, really important issue and uh, I look forward to hearing it. Okay, bye. Thank you so much. John, Liana, Nico, and uh, both of the anonymous contributors who sent us uh, comments on this situation. We really appreciate you sharing with us how this event has uh, affected you, how you're thinking, how you're feeling about this. And uh, we know it adds a lot to the episode and people are going to be really grateful to hear your your insights. Before we sign off, uh, Karen and I would just like to express once more our solidarity with all the Toronto Public Library users, members of the literary community, the Toronto Public Library Workers Union members, and transgender people in Toronto and beyond who are taking action on this. We love you, we appreciate you, we are here with you, and we hope that our listeners who are tuning into this episode right now have learned a lot from your perspectives and uh, will share this situation and what they've learned here with others. Thanks. We can be found on Twitter at OrganizingPod, organizing with a Z. Um, Our email is organizingideaspod at gmail.com and our website is organizingideaspod.wordpress.com.